If you've been with us, we've been in a series called Love and Marriage. We've been digging into four keys to a healthy, successful marriage. Last week, we talked about why we need to make communication a daily priority. And so what we're doing is we, we believe that marriage is the most important human relationship. Man, that, that there's tons of relationships. The Bible has a ton to say about relationships in general, about how we should treat one another. But that marriage is kind of this ultimate level of human relationship and that we got to get this relationship right. That this is one that, man, when we get marriage right, everybody's blessed. Kids are blessed. Neighborhoods are blessed. Workplaces are blessed. Cities are blessed when we can get marriages right. And so we're talking about marriage even though we know not everybody in the room is married, right? Some of you are too young. You haven't gotten married. And don't be like, okay, hey, pastor's talking about marriage. Even though I'm 16, I'm going to go get married. Don't do that. Please don't misinterpret what we're talking about. There's a time and a place for that. This ain't it yet, if that's you. (laughs) All the moms said amen, right? Uh, Not yet. Uh, That day will come. Uh, If you're not married, we we hope and pray that this series for you can be an encouragement, can begin to give you some foundational principles that you can incorporate to become that husband, to become that wife that, that God wants you to be, that your spouse one day is going to need. But if you are married, we hope that this series can be practical for you, can give you some, some practical steps you can walk out to become better in your relationship, but ultimately that God will take your marriage to a new level. We believe that there's a, there's a new level waiting to be unlocked in your marriage, and so we're, we're talking about marriages. And so today we're going to talk about the second key to a healthy marriage, and that key is this, to support each other in everything. Today we're talking about just, just having each other's back, supporting each other in everything. I told you uh, kind of when we started this series that we're going to be fielding some questions. In fact, I'll field one today at the end of service. So if you've got a question about marriage as we get into any of this, feel free to text it in to 662-404-2489. Once again, that's 662-404-2489. Send in any of those questions, and we'd love to, to be able to handle those as we go through this series. Um, but today we're going to talk about how to support each other in everything. Ephesians 5.33 says famously, again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Each man must, must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect their husband. What we found scripturally as well as in sociology, they've arrived at the same conclusion, that a man's greatest need is to be respected and a woman's greatest need is to be loved. Now, that doesn't mean that women don't need respect or that men don't need love, right? We have other needs than just our greatest need. But if we can start with meeting the, the biggest need of our spouse, it's going to go a long way to bringing some great health and life into our marriages. Marriage is a partnership that when we can give our wives love and wives can give their husbands respect, a marriage works like, like two wings on a bird. Both wing is, is flapping and, and doing their part and what happens? The bird begins to soar. The bird begins to go to new heights. And, and so we see this picture of this bird in marriage that, that God has designed for this to work. Now the reality is some of you here are here without your spouse. Some of you have spouses who aren't spiritually engaged. Some of you have spouses who who don't even know Jesus. And so you may feel like I'm just doing all the work in this marriage. And the reality is, man, God wants to use your relationship with that spouse to show them Jesus. 
to show them how much he loves them. So keep on flapping. Keep on struggling. Even though it may be one side of this bird that's going and it feels like, man, we're doing the funky chicken, right? Like it, it may not feel like it's going anywhere. Just continue to trust God and continue to do your part. But for those of us where, where husband and wife are here, where you're a part of this church, man, we're encouraging all of us to support one another, to engage in this partnership. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 has one of my favorite passages on human relationships, uh, and it's not specific to marriage, but I believe there's some implicit application to marriage here. It says this. It says that two are better than one, as all the extroverts said amen, right? Like you've been through quarantine by yourself. It's like, yes, it is good to get around people. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor, that there's actually this effect that we see in nature that if you put two oxen uh, on a yoke, they actually have more horsepower, more strength than they do separately. Like it, it doesn't just add up, hey, this one can pull 1,000 pounds and this one can pull 1,000 pounds so they can pull 2,000 together. They can actually pull 2,500. They can pull 3,000 together. So there's this, this scientific reality that two are better than one. Verse 10 says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Now, for me, I can't read that verse and not think about Steve Urkel, right? That's my generation. That's how we roll. You get this picture of I've fallen and I can't get up. Some of you are way too young to get that joke, and I just dated myself. And you're like, yeah, that's why you got gray hair. I get it. Okay. But, but if, you, if you understood, if you lived through the Family Matters generation, that would be a great reference for you. Sometimes I can't read the Bible without thinking about things that, that I've seen, right? Uh, verse 11. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. So it talks about a lot of the benefits of two. A lot of the benefits, a lot of the reasons why two are greater than one, that, that two can be more financially productive, that, that two can help each other when one is struggling and lift one another up, that, that two can keep each other warm, right? And I think there's also some, some affection implied there as well, right? And, and that two can protect each other when you go through challenges. I think this is a, a great picture of biblical marriage. These are not all but many of the things that God has designed for us to be for our spouses. So again, I would say that, that marriage is the ultimate human relationship. And when I say the ultimate human relationship, I don't mean that even everybody's meant to get married because I don't believe that biblically. I mean the ultimate in that there's no greater relationship that God has designed for people than marriage. This is the relationship that he's chosen to reflect the gospel. Where he says, look, husbands, I want you to love your wives just as, I, as Jesus has loved the church. Marriage is supposed to be a picture of the very gospel. And so it's, it's the highest level of human relationship. And so one thing that I'm so excited about through this series that we're doing is I'm not doing this alone. Two are better than one, amen? And so my bride has graciously been, been willing to participate and speak into this series. So I'm gonna invite Melody up for our Melody moment this morning. Give it up for Melody Joy Souden. Mel's gonna share with us on the importance of supporting one another. Well, one thing I want to um, just talk about really quick, I wasn't planning on saying this um, this morning, but Troy talked about the Man Up men's group that meets on Tuesday mornings, and I could not talk about it more. I mean, Troy's been going for like, what, six years or since, you know, the beginning, and it's just an incredible time. He has learned so much, and he's come home and, you know, said some things, and I'm like, why, 
why are you doing that? And he's like, well, I learned this, you know, at Man Up and just how to be, you know, a better man and a better husband and a better father. And one time he came home and he apologized. And I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, well, I learned this at, at Man Up. And so I just want to do a plug for that. If you can be there, I know 6 a.m. is early for some and late for others, but if you can be there even for an hour, it would be incredible. So I couldn't talk about it anymore. So wives, get your husbands there. Um, Amen. But I just wanted to, we're going to talk about how we support each other. I'm going to say a way that I um, support Troy. But um, one way that I, Troy supports me is he just has a lot of grace with me. And, and Callie and Braden were talking about, um, you know, the speeding and Troy is a speeder as well, and he gets pulled over, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. If he gets a speeding ticket, I, like, lose my mind, and I'm like, I told you not to speed, you know? It's like that wives. We just know our husbands need to not speed, Um, and if he gets a ticket, I'm just like, we don't have money for this, and I freak out, but if I got a speeding ticket, he just has so much grace with me. He's like, it's no problem. We will get it taken care of. Like, it's okay. And so he just has a lot of grace with me that way, and I just desire to have that with him. Um, But our family verse, um, we have these verses that we prayed over. It's um, Philippians 3 through 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So this is hanging in our kitchen, and it's something not just... Um, it's important for Troy and I and our relationship, but for our kids too. And um, Judah, our oldest, who's six, he is, he is all about this, and he's constantly wanting to put other people, especially his sister's uh, needs, in front of his own. And Alexa, our four-year-old, he, she has a lot of work to do, but that's okay. That's going to be a, a lifelong struggle, I think. But um, one way that Troy has really supported me about four years ago after I had a, Alexa um, I just started having, like, a bunch of, like, brain fog and a bunch of anxiety. And I wasn't, you know, 100% sure what it was, if it was related to um, postpartum or anything like that. So Troy really encouraged me to go to our primary care doctor. And I um, explained, you know, what was going on. And um, they had me tested for a bunch of different things. And I had some vitamin D deficiency and um, some issues with my thyroid. So they said, come back in a few weeks and we'll still see, you know, if you're feeling any better. So I went back and um, I said, you know, I'm just still having anxiety. And so they put me on a low-dose anti-anxiety medicine. But I didn't just want to do that. I also wanted to go to counseling. And so Troy really encouraged me um, to go to counseling. And I really wanted a faith-filled Christian counselor and those are not cheap, and those are not covered by insurance, and it was very, very expensive, and I felt that financial burden. You know, I knew this was important, and I um, had a lot of things to work through and wanted to get to the root of this anxiety, and um, Troy just really encouraged me, but I just felt that weight, especially that financial weight, and um, one time they were like, you need to do a double session, and I was like, oh my it was so expensive and we drained our bank account and it was a hundred percent worth it and I don't know that I would have been so gracious with you if it was you know the other way around but he was very gracious with me and um you know I have been off of that medicine for a while I was only on it for about a year and a half and 
and I did counseling for a year, and we were able to kind of get to that root of the issue, and it was something completely different than I thought it was going to be, um, but it was just great, and I really appreciate you supporting me through that, especially now that I'm on the other end. I can look back and say that you were there, so that's just one way that he's really supported me, so. Don't stop now. No, that's, that's, all, good. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> best series ever. Um, I roasted him last week, so I had to say something positive this week. It's true. If you weren't here last week, it was more fun if you're listening. Not as fun for me, though. Um, but uh, Maybe you should be better. Yes, maybe I should. Maybe you should Just, listen to your wife. <laughs> <sighs> to piggyback off of what I she gotta said. I got to go back. You're right. I gotta, oh. we, uh, we're big believers in Christian counseling. We're big believers in, in valuing your mental health. Um, everybody needs help at some point. And so if that's you, there's no shame in that. There, there's no shame in getting put on medication. Now, we also believe that neither of those things should necessarily have to be for life. Like the goal is, is to get to the root, like Mel said, is to get that figured out to where you can get well. Um, but that season of wellness may be different uh, in, in, in everybody's life, how long that takes. So please, don't, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Um, we've literally had to do it in our family. Uh, and it was not cheap, but it was absolutely worth it. Um, it, it is absolutely worth prioritizing to have her well uh, and to have her uh, back is, is priceless. Uh, and so it, it's worth that investment. Uh, Melody, on the other hand, is an amazing support. This is not something that always comes easy or natural for me. Uh, she's done it from the very beginning. She literally moved here uh, to come to Mississippi to serve alongside me and join in my life and, and in my ministry. Don't you forget it. <laughs> she likes to remind me about that, but I, sometimes I like to remind God that he brought me to Mississippi too, so I get it. Uh, we, are, we are so glad to get to do what we do. Um, but her, her ability to support me started very early, so we went... We got married in Pennsylvania, which is where she's from, and then we went on a honeymoon, and we got home on a Saturday night after our honeymoon, and so we spent our first night in our home together on a Saturday night, and we got up the, the next Sunday morning to go to church. I was youth pastor here at the time, and I wake up, and I've got a voicemail on my flip phone, right? 2009 represent. Uh, so I open up my flip phone, and I see on my little Motorola, I got a, got a voicemail. So I went to the voicemail to listen to it, and it was my brother calling from the DeSoto County Jail asking me to come bail him out. Uh, and my wife stirs and wakes up as I'm listening to this voicemail, and she says, what's going on? And I said, baby, welcome to the Souden family. Uh, my brother needs us to go bail him out of jail. Uh, and so she has dealt with some craziness in my family and craziness in my life and in my That's ministry. That's just the beginning. That's <laughs> just the beginning. Uh, and, and been supportive and been behind me in a million ways. If I had time, I could tell you so many different things that she's done to support me. Um, but I'm super grateful for you. I'm so grateful for your support, your encouragement, your belief in me, your persistence in challenging me to get better in the ways that I need to get better and holding me accountable uh, and coming up here and doing this with me. So give it up for Mel one more time. 
So last week we gave you a, a homework assignment. I hope that you did it. I know first service we got some good feedback from some couples that did the homework. Uh, just as a, a way of review, this was our couple's homework last week, was to speak life into your marriage. Remember Proverbs says that uh, the tongue has the power of life and death. And so we're going to use our tongue to bring life and not death into our marriage. And so we ask you to set aside at least one hour to explore the following what we called communication rooms. So Mel and I did this Thursday night uh, about 8 o'clock. We put the kids to bed and then we sat down and we talked until about... 915 uh, and, and dug into some of this stuff uh, and there were some things that I expected and some things that I didn't expect uh, but I, I think it was really powerful so if you didn't do this the first part of your homework this week is to go back and catch this if you were too busy if you forgot if you weren't here and didn't know about it this is your homework as, as a married couple now if you're not married the good news for you is you have no homework I'm your favorite teacher. Aren't you glad, right? You picked the right time to not be married at City Church. Uh, your, your day will come. Don't worry. We'll, ha- we'll have some challenges for you coming up. Uh, in fact, we've got that reading plan in your seat. Uh, I definitely encourage all of us uh, to read through the Bible together uh, through the month of October. But uh, we had the, this homework assignment to answer these questions. Go ahead and put those questions up for me if you don't mind. So these were the four questions. How am I doing as your spouse? What am I doing well? What am I doing poorly? Uh, that, that's, that one's a tough one. That's a big one right there. What am I doing badly? Um, secondly, what, what are your hopes and your dreams? How can I help you to achieve them? That one hopefully is a little more encouraging and upbeat and positive. Thirdly, what's God been doing in your life and, and showing you lately? Uh, getting that, that spiritual checkup, which we're going to dig into a whole lot more next week as we talk about building your relationship on the foundation of faith. And then the Fourth question was, is there anything that you want to talk about uh, that you never know how to bring up? And so uh, if you did that homework last week, hopefully you got some good information. Hopefully you found some things out, some, some potential between where you are and where your marriage could be, some things that you can do to improve. So that brings us to this week's homework assignment, which connects to last, um, and it's this. Pick one specific and intentional way you can support your spouse from what was mentioned in last week's homework. It could be an answer from what am I doing poorly. It could be an answer from what are your hopes and dreams and how can I support them. Uh, it could be an answer from is there anything you want to talk about that you never know how to bring up. But what came up last week? that you can intentionally put into practice. And we did this, we tied this together on purpose because I I don't want to just give you a random assignment that has nothing to do with what you already found out. Hopefully you've already found out some stuff that you need to work on. I know I did. Uh, And so now let's, let's go after that. Let's pursue that. Let's put that into practice. So if you didn't do last week's, start there. Uh, And then if you did do last week's, start to apply it. Let's start to do something and figure out what that is. Now, in the unlikely event that you did last week's homework and you found out nothing that you need to work on, you're a perfect husband or a perfect spouse, or your spouse was too nice and didn't tell you the truth, whichever the case may be, uh, in that unlikely event, you probably know something you need to work on. So pick something that you know of that you can be intentional about uh, to better support them, to better come alongside them, to better have their back. But most likely you've already got some material directly from their mouths that you can apply. And so let's start with that. Um, the rest of our time today, I'm going to take just a few minutes and talk to you about three ways we can support one another. Three ways we can get both of those wings on that bird flapping together, moving in the same direction to take your marriage to a new level, to new heights. Three practical ways to support one another. The first one is this, and Mel kind of already implied this, but I want to make it explicit. Number one, put your spouse first. 
Put your spouse first. Philippians chapter 2, our family life verse uh, says this in verse 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. That is not explicitly a marriage verse. That's a Christianity verse. But if we can't do it in our marriage, we'll never do it for anybody else. Right? If we can't get this right in the relationship that's most important, we're never going to be able to get this right in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. And so we've got to get it right in our marriage. Put your spouse first. One thing I always tell couples when they're going through premarital counseling is that marriage is not 50-50, it's 100-100. That you've got to put yourself into it. And here's the, the scary part, is that if you put 100, you might not get 100 back. That's why the culture doesn't say to do 100, right? The culture says go 50-50. So what if I put 100% of myself into this and they don't put 100% back? What if I get trampled on? What if I get taken advantage of? The reality is, isn't that kind of the gospel? That we're going to put others first? That we're going to prioritize others' needs over ourselves? Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus laid down his life for us with no promise that any of us would ever believe in him with no promise that any of us would ever respond to the gospel. But he said, you're worth it. I'm going to give you 100. And I'm going to trust in faith that you're going to respond, that you're going to move towards what I did, that you're going to receive me in your life. And so this is the gospel. We're not going to wait and say, well, you know what? They're only giving 50%, so I'm giving 50. They're only giving 25%, so I'm giving 25. We're going to be all in, and we're going to give 100%, trusting and believing God that as we give 100%, they're going to be inspired to move towards that 100% as well. So we've got to put our spouse first. It's difficult, it's challenging, it's not always easy, but it's always massively important. Put them first. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to get excited about what your spouse is excited about. Now, this one can, can be deep. It can have, like, spiritual and ministerial implications. Man, my, my, my spouse is passionate about missions. My spouse is passionate about hungry children. My spouse, you know, they've got this passion for this thing. Well, if that's the case, man, get excited about what they're excited about. Get passionate about serving that way. That doesn't mean that you've got to be as passionate as they are. It just means that you're going to come alongside them and be a part of the way that God is using them. But it also has much less serious applications. This can get down to hobbies and interests and activities. And it doesn't mean you have to do everything together or there's not something that, hey, this is kind of my thing and we're not into it. But, man, support your spouse in pursuing those things. I'll give you another example of how Melody has supported me. She was born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and grew up there about an hour, a little more than an hour west of Philadelphia. Uh, and she grew up in a family that cared nothing about the NFL, cared nothing about football, wasn't interested, wasn't a part of her life, didn't register, and then she married me. And she found out very early in our relationship uh, that I placed far too much importance on a football team called the Seattle Seahawks. And so my wife, who cares nothing about football, doesn't really care anything about that, decided to get excited about what I'm excited about. And so last year, we found out that the Seahawks were actually playing a game in Philadelphia the same week that we were going to be in that part of the country for Thanksgiving. And my amazing bride said, we got to go to the game. And so she got me Seahawks tickets uh, for my birthday slash Christmas slash 
slash anniversary slash I'm never getting another gift again because they're not cheap. Uh, she, she sacrificed to make that happen for me. But not only did she sacrifice for me to be able to go to the game, she went to the game. And not only did she go to the game, but her mom and brother and sister went as Eagles fans. And so here's a picture of me and Melody at the Seahawks game in Pennsylvania. This is my Pennsylvania girl wearing a Seahawks hat. You actually can't see it because it was so cold, but she's got a KJ Wright Seahawks jersey on under that black jacket as well. Uh, She went decked out in Philadelphia, which is like known to be the least hospitable to enemy fans. She went as a Seahawks fan. Why? Because she loves the Seahawks? No. She... That's right, because she loves me. Oh, isn't she the best? Here's the irony of this. We didn't, I didn't tell her I was going to give this illustration this morning, and she's wearing a Philadelphia Eagles mask today. It's awesome. What are the chances? Uh, so <laughs> she still gets her moments in. Uh, get excited about what your spouse is excited about. Are they passionate about hunting or fishing? Then you don't have to go on every trip with them, but, but get excited for them to, to be able to do those things. Are they passionate uh, about some other hobby, about some other thing? Man, this is what I'm into. I'm into this. Get behind it. Be supportive. Be encouraging. Now, I will say this. There is a point where our hobbies, our interests, the stuff that we're into can become unhealthy. Um, and I'm not telling you to, to encourage one another in unhealthy things, right? If your spouse is playing video games 12 hours a day, that's a problem. Uh, that, that, it's, it's time to man up because no woman plays video games 12 hours a day, right? No adult woman. It's not, not usually the wife who's guilty of that. That's the husband if that's happening. Uh, so you don't need to go buy them a new game system. Uh, you, you need to help them put some healthy boundaries on their life. Uh, But once you can get those healthy boundaries in place, here's how much you can play. Man, support them in in pursuing that interest and and pursuing that hobby. We're going to come behind each other and get excited about what one another is excited about. Number three thing we're going to do to support one another is we're going to be strong when they are weak. Here's the reality. Most marriages have somebody who's going through something at just about any time. Right, one of us is pretty much always going to be weaker than the other. Man, yesterday we were at some friends' houses and they're going through. His mom only has a couple of weeks left to live, and, and and we're watching this couple as they navigate through a very difficult season of life, a very painful season of life. And she's so supportive, and she's throwing a party for her mother-in-law, and she's doing all this stuff to to be there for her husband as he goes through. A very difficult and dark season. That's what marriage is supposed to be, right? Melody shared a a dark season for her where she dealt with anxiety and had to get Christian counseling and had to get on medication. And by God's grace, I was able to to be supportive for her in that. And she's been supportive for me in all kinds of uh, difficult seasons, things that we've gone through. The the reality is we're always going to face challenges, And so when your spouse goes through that tough season, maybe it's a tough season they're dealing with a sin issue. Maybe it's a tough season they're dealing with an emotional issue. Maybe it's a tough season they're having challenges at work. Or maybe they lost their job. Whatever it might be, man, we're going to be strong when they are weak. We're going to step in to the midst of that difficult situation and be there for them and help them with that. Poor Mel has had to support me through multiple surgeries. Uh, Not long after we got married, I tore my ACL playing church softball. Not proud of that one. Uh, That's that's the... 
not like the most manly story. How'd you tell your ACL? I made a catch and I planted to throw and my knee didn't go with me. All right. It's reality. And so she had to take care of me while I rehabbed from ACL surgery back in May. As many of you know, I was opening a box of knives and I slipped my hand open and bled everywhere. And she rushed me to the ER and got me taken care of and supported me as, hey, we're trying to pay off our debt. And now we just got doctor bills and surgery bills and, and all this stuff. And the reality is if, if you are a woman, if you are a wife, your husband is probably going to do something stupid at some point, right? Like, you don't need me to tell you that. You've already figured that out. Uh, And we get to support each other even through our stupid mistakes, even through the moments when we do something that, man, you probably weren't using your head when that happened. Um, Be strong when they are weak. Here's what Ecclesiastes says. I want to remind you. It says, two are better than one. If either of them falls down, verse 10, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to pick them up. I think one of the greatest designs of marriage is God has designed for you as a husband, for you as a wife, to be there to pick up your spouse when they fall. And those falls look differently. Sometimes they're they're sinful falls. Sometimes they're emotional falls. There's all kinds of different falls. But God's designed for you as a spouse to be there. And he's also designed for you to have a spouse to be there to pick you up because you're going to fall too. Right? All of us have, have seen it if we've been married for any length of time. There's been times where, where it, it just doesn't come together the way that I wanted it to. And so a strong marriage rarely has two strong people at the same time. A strong marriage, let me say it again, rarely has two strong people at the same time. A strong marriage is simply one of you being strong when the other is weak. Stepping into that situation and choosing to be strong for the one that you love. So this is... What we're going to do to support one another, we're going to go apply this week something that we learned from our conversation last week. If we didn't do last week's homework, it's on the City Church Facebook page. We'll put the, this week's homework up as well on the Facebook page. I didn't want to give you another handout with the homework because you already got the reading plan, and I want you to do that reading plan. Take the reading plan with you, mount it on, on your dashboard, on your refrigerator, on your dresser somewhere. If you're not reading the Bible, man, read the Bible with us. That is massively, massively important. In fact, here's something you can support each other in. If you don't have a, a daily reading plan, you can support each other. Hey, checking in. Did you, did you spend time in the Word today? Did you read uh, in Exodus? We're starting the book of Exodus and then actually going to get into the book of Leviticus, which, as you know, is one of the most exciting books of the Bible. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, training, and righteousness. So we're going to dig through the whole thing. Uh, but, man, support each other in everything. We're going to be strong when one another's weak. We're going to be excited about what the other person is excited about. Number two, and then back all the way back to number one, we're going to put one another first. Would you stand and pray with me, church? Father God, I thank you for husbands and wives that love you, husbands and wives that are pursuing your best. God, I thank you for those who aren't married yet and maybe think, hey, I can just turn my brain off throughout this series. God, I ask that you would encourage them and challenge them to receive in this series. God, to to put principles in place and a foundation in place that will set them up for success as they pursue marriage down the road, Lord God. But God, we lift up marriages to you right now, God, for those that are, are, are the marriage of, of one wing flapping and the other wing is not participating. God, I ask right now that you would resurrect that marriage, that you would convict that spouse, that you would awaken them, God, to the, the opportunity they have to be a husband, to be a wife, the way that you've designed for them to be. 
God, that they would put one another first, that they'd be excited about what each other is excited about, that they would be strong when one another is weak. Lord, help us to do these things and walk in these things. We thank you for, for the steps we've already seen married couples taking over these last couple of weeks. And we just ask that they would continue, that these marriages would flourish, Father God, that you would do something awesome in the midst of these relationships. We thank you for all of this, God, in Jesus' name. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. If you're here today and you're far from God, and this may, maybe has nothing to do with you being in a marriage, but you're here today and, and you know, man, I'm, I'm not serving Jesus. And you want to make that right. We say that marriage is the most important human relationship, but there is an even more important relationship. And that's your relationship with God. And if your relationship with God is not where he is designed for it to be, if you know, man, I'm not serving my, my Savior right now. I'm not serving my Lord. We want to give you an opportunity to simply repent. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Amazing and powerful thing, an incredible invitation he's given us with nobody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you today and you need to give your life to Jesus, would you simply lift up your hand? I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. I'm not going to make you come down front and embarrass you, but I want to lead you in a prayer right where you're at to make Jesus Lord of your life. Yes, I need to make Jesus my King. Yes, I need to make him my Lord, my Savior. You can lift up your hand on that. Praise God. Praise God. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. I'm going to ask you to pray this out loud to God, right where you're at. If you're a Christian, pray this out loud as a show of support for those who are giving their life to Jesus. If you're watching on Facebook right now, I invite you to take this step as well. Don't feel like, man, because I'm not in the room, I can't do this. Right where you're at, pray this prayer out loud if you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. Say this, say, Father God, I come to you right now. I'm a sinner. I know I haven't lived the way you want me to. And so today, I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me and make me clean. Jesus, I give you the throne of my heart. Come be my Lord, be my King, be my Savior, be my God. Thank you for dying for me. Through your strength and your spirit, I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God some praise, City Church? <laughs> praise God. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, the Bible says that you are saved, that God has sent his Holy Spirit to live in you. He's washed you clean of your sins, and he's given you a place with him in eternity. If that is you, I want to give you a couple very quick challenges. Number one, find somebody and let them know what you just did. We just did this in a dark room. You just did this on Facebook. Maybe nobody else knows that you raised your hand. Maybe I don't even know. Uh, but God knows. But you need to tell somebody. The enemy wants you to keep it quiet. Find somebody you can confide in, somebody you know is going to celebrate with you, not somebody who's going to think you're weird or put you down for it, somebody who's going to encourage you in your faith and let them know, I just gave my life to Jesus today so they can celebrate with you. Secondly, man, start spending some time with God every day. You just confessed him as Lord. It means he's the king. He's in charge. Uh, you need to Start spending some time in the Bible. we got a reading plan there for you. Start, start spending some time in prayer. In fact, we got a book at this back table called Fresh Start that's going to walk you through the next things that you need to do uh, to begin to have a relationship with God. It's our gift to you. Grab one on your way out. If you're watching on Facebook, you can go to uh, citychurchob.com slash connect. Fill out that digital connection card, and there's a spot you can tell us you made that decision. We'll send you that Fresh Start book. Uh, mail it to you. We want you to have that to, to walk this step out. We also have Bibles back there. If you don't have a Bible, grab 
grab one. It's our gift to you uh, as well today. Um, Next, if you've never done it, uh, you need to follow the example of Jesus in water baptism. Baptism doesn't save us, but it does tell the whole world, I want you to know I'm with Jesus. Like I said, we just did this in a dark room, but baptism says, I want everybody to know Jesus saved me. He came into my life. There's a spot on the connection card or the digital card. You can fill out, say, hey, I need to get baptized. We would love to set that up for you. And last but not least, you need a church home. Uh, There's a ton of great churches out there. We would be so honored to have you as part of our church. Come and join us, man. Find a church that can help you to grow, hold you accountable, check in on you, and, and disciple you to become a follower of Jesus. Can we give God some praise one more time, church? Praise God. I almost forgot about this. You can go ahead and grab a seat. I want to make sure I answer this question I got texted in before I let you guys go. You will be on your way to the restaurant in like four minutes, I promise. Don't, don't let your stomach shut down your brain. So here's the question that got texted in. Uh, here's the question about marriage that I have and would love to have this one answered for me. What does God say about divorce if one leaves and starts a new family, leaving the other to seek nothing other than divorce? Is the one who is left guilty of divorce and unable to remarry because one left and cheated? Or does the one who is left behind in that situation have God's blessing to remarry later on? So there's, there's almost always a ditch on either side of an issue. And so when it comes to divorce and remarriage, there's, there's two ditches in the church. There's kind of the traditional ditch, which is this idea that, man, if you get divorced, you're going to hell. That, that God hates divorced people and that God is against you if you get a divorce. And I, I don't believe that at all. In fact, here's one reason why I don't believe that at all. I am the product of a remarriage. I come from my dad's second marriage. My dad was married once, uh, cheated on, his wife left him, uh, and and then he met my mom, and my mom started witnessing to him and led him to Jesus, and a couple years later, they got married, and then came a little Troy. Uh, And so I am thankful for remarriage. I am thankful that God doesn't just put an end on your life when you suffer through a divorce. Um, so there's, there's a ditch that we can get into where we give this idea that, that divorce is the end. There's also a ditch on the other side where we can give this idea that, man, God just wants you to be happy, and if you're not happy, leave your spouse. God is serious about marriage when he says, hey, what I've put together, don't let, let man, no man separate. And so God hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. But he hates divorce because he knows the pain that divorce causes. The pain that divorce brings in kids' lives. The pain that divorce brings in husbands' lives lives and wives' lives. He understands that very deeply. And so he doesn't, his desire for us is to not go through divorce. But he does give some guidelines for how we can do it right. Uh, And so let's answer this question. This person asked a very specific question. So let me give a couple of verses. Because what I don't want to do is we're not going to default to tradition. And we're not going to default to culture. We're going to answer based on what does the word of God say. Uh, that, that is our standard. That is what we live by is according to the word, not according to what we see in our generation or, or how we were raised or anything else. We, we default to the word. And so here's what the word says. 1 Corinthians 7.15 says, If an unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. So this person said that their spouse left them. They didn't say specifically the spouse wasn't a Christian, uh, but they said that the spouse left them. So we know there's a piece of this anyway that, that connects to abandonment. The Bible tells us specifically if an unbeliever leaves, you're released uh, from, from that marriage. But there's another thing that they said. It says if the person, re, uh, because they went to remarry and they cheated. So assuming that that is accurate and this person cheated, Jesus addresses this specifically himself in Matthew chapter 5. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, he says this. He says, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So Jesus says, look, if, if somebody's been cheated on, that's a, a, that's a get out of marriage card, right? And here's, here's what we say. When people come to us, uh, my husband cheated on me, my wife cheated on me, what do I do? What I tell them is biblically you are released from the marriage. You can leave and you can go remarry. But just because you, that, you're allowed to leave doesn't mean that's the best. My hope and my prayer is that they seek restoration and that they can get to a place where they can find healing, um, where they can rebuild trust, because uh, I think that's absolutely the best. Now, in some situations, there's no trust to be rebuilt. The person isn't interested in rebuilding trust, or the person isn't worthy of rebuilding trust, and getting out of the, the marriage is, is definitely the best thing. So if you've been cheated on, uh, they've given you the right to leave. Just because you have the right doesn't mean you need to. Hopefully that makes sense, right? Uh, but, but you, so this person, whoever sent this question in, if you're in the auditorium or you're watching on Facebook, you need to know you are free to remarry. Uh, assuming that everything you said in your text is accurate, biblically, you are, you are completely released. So let me, let me teach on this really, really quick. I'm going to let you go real fast, I promise. What they taught me in Bible college and what I definitely believe is that marriage is, is two covenants. There's a legal covenant in a marriage. That's why you sign a marriage license, right? You, you put your lives together, your finances together. There's a legal covenant, and then there's also a sexual covenant. There's this promise that I'm going to reserve this aspect of my life for nobody but you. Um, And and so what they taught us in Bible college is that both of those covenants have to be severed before you can remarry. Uh, And and I believe when you look into it biblically and you add it all up, I think this makes a ton of sense. And so if you've been cheated on, yes, you can remarry, but obviously the, the legal covenant has to be severed first. You can't just go jump into a relationship with somebody else before you've gotten divorced. It's still adultery if you're still married. And then sometimes we see these situations where a couple, oh, well, we've gotten married and I'm going to get divorced, but we can't afford the divorce or whatever, but you've moved on to another relationship, and that's not right. Until that legal contract has been severed, you are not released to pursue romance with anybody else, biblically. If you're going to do it God's way, uh, you can't do that. Um, and so that's one piece of it. And the other half is, is the sexual covenant. And so... If the sexual covenant is broken, that's somebody cheating on you, right? You're released. So here's what I believe, and the Bible doesn't explicitly say this, so you can disagree. Um, i be clear that this is my best understanding and interpretation. The Bible doesn't come out and explicitly say this. But I believe if somebody divorces you and they move on uh, and they enter into another sexual relationship post-divorce, that at that point, that sexual covenant has been severed and you are no longer obligated to them. And so even if that person was a Christian, even if whatever else doesn't add up, like once they've entered into another relationship, another marriage, they've taken that step, you now have that thing's done. All that covenant has been severed and you've been now released to pursue uh, another relationship. So lastly, let me speak to people who are remarried and you didn't follow those guidelines. What do you do, man? Because in America, we got a lot of people who, you were the one who left, or you were the one who cheated, you were the one who ended the marriage, and, and you ended up in another marriage. What do you do if you're in that situation? Well, the answer is not to go divorce the person you're with now. Please do not do that. Uh, that, that is not the solution. Is not go get a divorce in your second marriage and try to get back with the first person that you hated. Don't do that. If you are in a marriage that, man, doesn't look like it was founded on biblical grounds, whether you knew it at the time or you didn't, all I would tell you to do 
is go to God and repent. God, I'm sorry. God, I, I rebelled. I knew this was wrong and I did it anyway. Please forgive me. Or God, I didn't know this was wrong. I thought this was okay, but I, I really feel now like it wasn't. God, forgive me. Don't, don't end that marriage. Doing another divorce is not going to do anybody any good. That's only going to make situations worse. So I'm not telling you to leave your spouse who you're with now. Stay with them and love them well. Stay with them and apply these principles so you can be married well. Um, but, but if you feel, hey, you know what? I did something that probably wasn't right. Just make it right. Give it to God. And that can apply to anything that comes up from your past, right? If you recognize, hey, this thing, this job that I took, I shouldn't have taken because this wasn't godly or this whatever. Man, and it was 20 years ago. might be like, hey, it's no big deal. Man, if you feel that conviction of God, go make it right. God, I didn't know at the time. God, I'm sorry I did that. Please forgive me. And man, here's the beautiful thing about the God we serve. He's a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. He is a God who washes away. The Bible says we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to, to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm so grateful for that. And so this is a, it's a touchy issue because we got, man, so many people in America who've gone through divorce, who've experienced divorce, or their parents went through divorce, right? Like you start talking about divorce, you, you start really getting some very sensitive issues, um, and so if that answer didn't answer everything, if you've got more questions or I don't know how my situation applies or what I should do in my situation, please text in your question. Call me if you'd rather sit down and talk face-to-face, whatever it may be, and we'll do our best to, to dig into that because we believe that God loves marriage. We believe that God loves divorced people, that God is for you. He is not against you, uh, and, and he wants you to be holy. He wants you to walk in his very absolute best for your life. And we want to help you to walk that way as well. So that's my best answer to that question. Hopefully that makes sense. Send in more questions if you have them. You guys have an awesome week. Do your homework. Hit your reading plan as we get into October. And we'll see you next Sunday. 